International. Like this one, Ariel Norman's podcast, Leading the Blind, and I love how cute this little dog is. It'll hurt when you sleep. Mm-hmm. Or put on headphones. Maybe I would have listened. Instead, they were yeah. like, God doesn't want you to do that. You so don't know how many not- podcasts you're going to be on. Yeah, you know, or how <laughs> how much I would vastly prefer to sleep on the left side of my body every day of Did my life. Did we start? I don't know. I don't oh. you know. I just have it recording. If you have a recording, oh, okay. that'd be great. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, great. No, thank you. I have to perform otherwise. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> Do you never smoke before uh, shows? Um, no, I try not to. I'll have like a drink, but um, if I get high on marijuana, I'll forget everything. Have you tried it a few times, like as an experiment? Um, yeah, I've tried it. And I've also tried it in those like challenge shows. Yeah. And it doesn't go well. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm not really comfortable being high in public. Oh, I don't. Well, I usually smoke weed at home or if I'm very comfortable. But see, I feel like I relate to all of those things and yet it's different for me because like I'm only comfortable if I'm high in public with one or two people, if I can mm. really kind of keep it safe, but I'm not, tr- I don't know, unless I'm also drunk, but also I've just been doing so <laughs> many more drugs and alcohol the last couple of years that I don't even remember what I'm like. I know, it's really bad. Yeah. We're making poor choices. Yeah. How long time. have you been doing comedy? Um, I've been doing comedy for seven years. Do you feel like you've been making those poor choices like the whole time or like three years in or? Um, it's been kind of on and off because when I started, I had well, actually, I had a full-time job for five years, so okay. I couldn't get too crazy because I had, like, employees and stuff, Yeah, and I had to be at an office. Um, when Nine I lived five. in... Pretty much. Well, yeah, in San Francisco, it was tech, so it was, like, 10 to 7 or whatever, but... Yeah, okay. But, um, and then in Portland, it got a little bit more flexible because I worked from home a lot and worked from the road. Sweet. But, I don't know. It's been kind of up and down. I mean, I also... Did drugs and alcohol before comedy. Yeah. But I feel like at some point I'm just going to get tired of it. Yeah, that's kind of what it seems <laughs> like it happened. Like, everyone just does them and then quits eventually. And so you're like, yeah, I'm still in the doing them part, right? Yes. But I'm also 37, so at some point I need to... You're seeing the tunnel closing. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel so much worse the next day and I need so much more recovery time. Right. And I don't... Yeah. My big thing is like, well, so we were at a comedy festival together. Laughing Now small. are we recording? Yeah, we've okay. been recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, this is good stuff. I don't know. It's nothing. <laughs> um, uh, we were at Laughing Skull Comedy Festival. And during festivals in particular, I get very um, anxious. Mm. 
and yeah, like, there's a lot going on. Have a lot of existential dread about my career and yeah. myself socially. <laughs> so then I'll drink and do more drugs. Yeah, than you I probably should. You got to socialize with all these people. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure and. And then I just, like, do stupid stuff. So I think I'm kind of getting to the point where it's like, oh, well, I mean, it's fun, but, like, I don't I can't, I don't want to do that, you know? I don't want to, like, embarrass myself. Yeah. Which I don't think... I, I mean, I got in trouble for an internet post at Laughing School, but did you? I don't you think post? I embarrassed myself in, in person. It's just... It's all internal, you know? Like, you know when you're <laughs> fucked up and you're like, I'm being a freak right now, yes. and everyone's like, you were fine. And it's just like, yeah, but I didn't have a fun experience, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about what you posted, or does it need to die? Oh, no, no, it's fine. I just, um, I like... I had well, okay. So I, I had a drunken conversation with Jeff Singer, who decides the new faces for Just for Laughs Festival, and he's sort of like an initial gatekeeper. I feel sure. like I he's never been interested, and he never was going to be interested, and I'm sort of beyond it because uh, I don't have a new face anymore. Gotcha. Um, so, but also I had just never talked to the guy, and mm-hmm. I was like kind of tipsy, and I just like said a bunch of stuff to him it wasn't rude we had a great conversation yeah but then um there's all these weird things happened over the course of two nights like i broke up a couple um at oh, a show yeah. on from stage right yeah like i was doing crowd work and yeah. then she was a nightmare and they were both really drunk and eventually like she ended up storming you did out. a good thing i think thank you yeah <laughs> Um, but it was, you know, it was just like this roller coaster. And then I just posted something like, going great at this. It was, the post was about how I'm an idiot and I shouldn't be allowed, like, in public to talk to influential people because. Yeah. Did, did I get, you mention like, the conversation with him specifically? Yeah, it was like, I told Jeff Singer that he'll never care about me because he doesn't want to fuck uh, me. <laughs> oh, I did see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which. To me, was like a listen to this stupid thing that I said right. to a person. But you didn't matters. think that it might get back to him. No, I I didn't see it as insulting at all. Well, sure, it just but it's apparently not more awkward to me than insulting. Exactly, that was the whole point of it because it was just a litany but you were of drunk things. when you. Yeah, of posted. course. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no. When I said it, not when I posted oh, it. Oh, when you posted it, you were sober. Yeah, that was a sober decision. Or, what, however, sober you I mean, are in the morning after a festival. Yeah. Okay. Um. But then, yeah, they the festival made me take it down, and I was like, "What? Why? Oh, like they made you?" I take was it so down. confused. Yeah. But I think that since so many comics kind of chimed in and they were like, "You're our hero," then, <laughs> then it kind of became a thing. Where I was like, oh no, you shouldn't talk to someone that way. This was not a like, yeah, hey, look at this brave thing I did. You know what? You're the hero they deserve. <laughs> not the hero they need. I was trying to express that I'm really dumb. <laughs> and just like torch my opportunities with my mouth. <sighs> yeah. Although we're in the business Self-destructive of... Self-destructive behavior. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's the weird thing too is like, this is about comedy careers, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> that's number one. Well, um, although he knows who you are now, probably. You well, know. that's the weird thing is I've I've been considered for his festival five years in a row, and he had no idea who I was. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I mean, I guess you're not really watching everybody. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was more just a post about how I'm dumb, and then, but the weird thing is. We are in like a the business of being funny and making jokes yeah. and um and we're supposed to like 
question authority or whatever yeah. like question the status quo and observe and you were trying to then, have a michelle wolf moment yeah <laughs> well yeah but i mean even even if michelle if michelle wolf gave that same speech about the comedy industry she would fucking torch her career right it's like we're supposed to look out but if you make a joke about anything on the inside mm. then you're in big big trouble right. young lady um and you know i've and i think especially with women and it was just a weird turnaround because i was like oh i didn't i was making fun of myself then yeah. also, maybe there was truth in it i don't know because people reacted really weirdly and the person who runs the festival was like you gotta take that down and i was like oh okay i mean i'm not like married to it i just was joking around but i guess we're not allowed to do that internally yeah it's such a crazy thing well it depends who you are you know if you're a little bit more established you can call stuff like that out but it's just you know it's the same as working for a corporation mm -hmm. where it's like I mean, when I worked in tech, it was like, we're disrupting the industry, you know? And you're supposed to be like, bad boys. But then if you're like, oh, CEO's kind of a creep, then it's like, you need to keep your mouth shut, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we have fun. We have a ping pong table and we have fun, okay? Yeah. We have beers on Friday, Same. but do not question the system. Yeah. And uh, it's just the number of times I've been kind of like scolded like that. It's hilarious to me. Is it hilarious? I mean, I feel like I would barely be able to get out of bed like... I would just, I would be so... It's okay. a mix. I definitely don't, I don't like to get in trouble. Yeah. And that's like a strange conflict inside of me. Yeah. Because people would be surprised to hear that. But I'm like, I'm very much like the youngest child and like... Hey, me too. You know, was a very quiet, like obedient Christian kid growing uh -huh. up. So I still have that instinct where I don't like being chided. But then I'm like, why am I being, you know, like I'm a grown woman. Yeah. And... You know, I mean, another approach would have been for Marshall to just be like, I mean, leave it up. But like, it's on, it's your if call. he sees it, how are you going to feel about that? You right. know, um, and it was fine. It wasn't like I was attached to it. It's just, yeah, it's such a strange, it's such a strange experience that we're supposed to like tear down all these other systems. But within the comedy industry, we need to be like, Thank you so much for everything, you know? Right. And just worship it in this really, I don't know. Just Not everybody does it. I mean, some people do carve their own paths to varying degrees of, of right. success. And I don't really want to, I don't. I don't want to be like the female Doug Stanhope or right. whatever. <laughs> Why not? I mean, is that so bad? <laughs> no, Doug thanks. Stanhope is, you know. <laughs> I mean, I love Doug, but, but it, it is also certainly gendered because i think like you know if he, he, he did there's a million stories about him doing crazy stuff at montreal or whatever you know and it's like you know if you're ari shafir or whatever you can be like this industry's bullshit mm -hmm. thanks for my three netflix specials right but if you're a nice lady who <laughs> has not yet made it you gotta be quiet yeah and just be grateful for the plate that we gave you <sighs> fuck well <laughs> what what do you plan on doing next with my life well okay i mean how, however you want to take it like do you have a do you have a a vision of your the career that you'd like to have sure i do yeah um but i mean i just i want to do stand-up as much as possible and so whatever helps me be able to do that it's kind of, I mean, I don't, it's weird. I'm in a very interesting sort of gray period because I think 
you know, if you're listening and you're in like your first three years of comedy, um, it's much easier right now for you to kind of map out what you want to do, right? So I had very attainable, I feel like attainable goals my first few years. Mm -hmm. I, within the first year, I was like, I want to get, you know, five minutes I really like, or at least like three jokes, which, you know, in your first year, you're doing mics most mainly. So you don't, I mean, that's a lot of time because three minutes feels like an eternity when you start. Um, and I, and then it became like, I want to get 20 minutes. I want to get 30 minutes. I like, I want to start my own show. I want to, um, go to the local club enough that they give me paid positions hosting. Right. And I say attainable. And then I kind of feel bad in the back of my head because plenty of people like make those goals and they're not, they still don't get hired by their local club right. or whatever. Um, and so I understand I also probably experienced some privilege in that. But but there are things as far as your writing that you can control. Like and you can start anybody can start a show, you know, and if you really apply yourself you can make it a good show. So in the first, yeah, three to five years, there's all these things I can go like, I want this or and then I was like, Oh, I want a TV credit and I didn't know what that was gonna be, but something that I can like put on my resume to get um, longer stand-up sets and more pay, right? Sure. To go from featured headliner in some clubs and host a feature in others. Um, so somehow I was able to manifest that, I guess. Um, but now at seven years, all the next steps are sort of like controlled by these right. specific gatekeepers. There's there's still things that I can do. I can um, write a pilot that I like I can write a movie script that I like I can write a web series that, you know I can produce content on my own I can have a podcast and so I'm doing all that stuff and that's great but but there's still just like does anybody want any of this yeah which is another reason that I should not at this juncture <laughs> be like torching relationships just because I think it's funny, even though I do think it's funny. Um, and I don't think that I, like, did anything wrong, wrong, you know. But, you know, on the other hand, it's like, why do that? Right. You know, when when we're given, I am given a platform to mouth off, you know, almost every night. So, like, why do it in ways on the internet that will potentially, like, take that time away from me? Right. You know, and I still think that a lot of the systems are bullshit, but those are the people that are going to hire me and give me the things that I need to keep doing comedy. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't want to be a comics comic, you know, I want to have fans that connect with me. Um, no touching. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, people that like me and come out and see it and feel something. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I need to stop going to festivals, number one, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, and then I'm in L.A., and, and there's, even with the club system, it takes a really long time, and, um, you know, you get passed at a couple clubs, and, and I should be totally grateful for that. And I am totally grateful for that. Because then I remember, like, oh, I have friends in L.A. who are super funny and working really hard that don't even get the stage time that I get. So I'm just it's just all the comparison game, which sure. is really dangerous and yeah. really unhealthy a lot of the time. Um, yeah. How many clubs are there in L.A.? Well, there's a lot. I mean, can, <laughs> give me a ballpark if you have to. You know, don't count them on your fingers. I mean, I don't even know because there's kind of the top tier, like the Comedy Store, the Improv, the Laugh Factory, I guess 
um, the Ice House in Pasadena, and then there's a million kind of smaller ones. Okay. I mean, I would ballpark. I don't know the ones 20? that you have to get passed at, like the, in the, in a way where someone would have a list of ones they're trying to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, f- as far as a list of like places people like super want to work that are kind of iconic and will lead to stuff. Sure. I guess three, three. maybe four. Yeah, three or four. Yeah, so but then you- that's not counting like on the outskirts, like the La Jolla Comedy Store and the other Laugh Factories and the other, you know, La Brea Improv and all this stuff that all have like, they're part of a system or a brand, you know, a gotcha. franchise or whatever. So it's a lot in the area. Um, okay. And it's, but you know, there are 2 million comedians. Right. So those spots are hard to come by. But you've got a couple. Um, yeah, I've got a couple. I got really lucky. Um and like the ice house i got past just opening for segura and it was like he asked me to open and then and then um it was only like the second time i had performed there and then after the show the owner was like oh send you know start sending me your avails and that that was it you know it's like people probably have hung out there for years and yeah. not had that opportunity so that's there's nice. all, yeah some of all of this has always been lucky breaks right yeah and a lot of comedy in general is always comics helping comics yeah um and i would encourage okay this is a really slippery slope i'm going down this dog is so fucking cute <laughs> it's like the cutest dog I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Yeah. She is too. It's like she's too much though. Man. No way. Um, <laughs> she's so cute. Yes, you can. I just got so distracted by the dog. Okay, it's okay. You gotta focus. Um, comics helping comics. You would encourage people. Oh yes, I would encourage people. And again, um, like this, is mostly for not straight white males um straight white cisgendered males don't have a problem with this historically but i would encourage i would encourage people to ask for things and feel okay about that because Mm. i i mean some of the stuff that i get from comics is a combination of me asking and them asking me but a lot of the time it takes a reminder the reason i say it's a slippery slope is that i do think a lot of people um, specifically in the category I mentioned, ask mm-hmm. for things when they're not ready. So true, yeah. Or they can't necessarily deliver on it, but have some sense of entitlement right. to that thing. Or, it or is just kind of crazy how, how true that that is. I mean, and it's that thing in that Lean In book about, you know, women apply to jobs only when they're 110% ready and men apply when they're 60% ready. Mm-hmm. And that tells you right away that if a woman's asking for something... Probably she's way more ready than if a guy's asking for something. Yes, for the most most, part. most likely. Not that there aren't, you know, there are definitely exceptions, but yeah. yeah. If for anything, the most it part. should be like a leg up for us in people's eyes if they're being smart to be like, oh, this woman's asking. If a woman's asking, she's probably really fucking ready for this. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. um, I would hope so. And you know, that's not true 100 percent of the time. But I would also encourage people on the other end who have a show or are headlining um, or whatever to just be better at communicating because people are so worried about hurting feelings when it's really like, you know, sometimes you have to say, thanks for sending me your tape, but you you know, you're not a good fit for the show or get back to me in a year. Yeah. You know, that's the business. If you can't take it from your peers early on, you're not going to be able to take all the heartbreak later. And, um, but I do think that the fear that we're not ready often like, um, 
keeps a lot of us from asking for stuff. And I kind of, I had a point where I asked for something. Oh, it was, um, Lou, my friend Louis Katz was headlining somewhere and I just messaged him to say like, Hey, do you have a feature yet? And, um, and I think I was like, sorry for asking. This is a few years ago. Yeah. Now yeah. I apologize for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you just tacked on a sorry to like at the end of everything. Oh. Yeah. Like, sorry to bug you. And you know, if this is weird or whatever. And he was like, don't apologize. This is literally how the entire system works. Yeah. People ask for stuff. If you ask someone for something and he was like, and you're funny. So no one's going to be like, ugh, can right. you believe she wanted a feature for me? Like, right. if someone's shitty about that, then they're a shitty person because this is what he was like this is what all the guys are doing okay (laughs) so yeah let me just like tell you that this is normal that's really great of him and dudes book entire tours just like looking across comedy club calendars and asking their friends if they can feature you know and that's a really common thing to do so i got a lot better about that and i still get the pit in my stomach when i first like send the message or the text just to be like oh i hope he doesn't hate me or whatever um but a lot of the time it just works out you know i feel like there should be like a rehab program for just having grown up a woman you know what (laughs) i mean just to like recalibrate us and send us back out yeah, just to stop saying sorry. I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of it is kind of in that book, Lean In, but she's yeah. also very wealthy. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> yeah. I once got asked, um, last year sometime there's this group in San Francisco of like tech ladies that have a meetup uh, once a month. And it's just a meetup about functioning in the industry. And they have people like women from different industries who, who are successful in their eyes come speak and they asked me to come speak and it was in san francisco and i live in la and i was like what does it pay and they're like oh we don't pay anybody and and i was like do you think uh, what and i was like i have to prepare like slides and and travel (laughs) yeah and they were like well it's a community event and i was like i'm sorry but the community community, is wealthy yeah very and then they i shit you not they said cheryl sandberg did it for free yeah she doesn't need the money you fucking dumb cunt. and i was like well she taught me how to ask for money so did you you say that absolutely (laughs) fuck yes it's just so hypocritical oh my god i was like i'm broke do you understand (sighs) yeah but that's also just what you have to do especially for something like that that like what what's that gonna get you you know i mean maybe it could get you some you you know you would have done it if you could have if it had even been in la you would have done it for free maybe i don't know yeah that's a lot of (laughs) preparing you're gonna make a ted talk for free i'm doing stuff and stuff like that less and less and partially i mean it's all contextual depends who's putting it on but if it's a bunch of rich ladies right and i think there's this so there was a conversation going on on Twitter about paying podcast guests a few days mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, about that. And it's a, <laughs> we can talk about that. It's a very similar thing where I feel like people are like, I can't pay you what you're worth, Yeah. so you should do it pro bono. Right. And it's like, who's ever turned down a hundred dollars, forty dollars, two hundred dollars, you know? And I don't, and then a lot of people just don't know comedy. I think this lady just probably really does think that I have a full-time right. lucrative job which is great that's the image I want out there you know that I'm well, working that's a strange thing too that you sort of have to project that image while at the same time we kind of need people to know that they need to support us absolutely yeah and yeah and same thing like with headliners it's like a you know I'm sure 
there's probably people who are like, I mean, I would ask her to open for me, but she's headlining, so she's beyond that, or whatever. In my head, this is a story I tell myself. Like, that's why they're not calling. Um, But I do think there is that moment where you kind of, like, jump the shark a little bit, and people are like, oh, she doesn't need this. So Mm -hmm. maybe the lady just didn't know and didn't understand comedy, but still... It's, you know, it's this process of the first email response is a teaching email. Uh-huh. Like, here's how this works, and I have to travel, and blah, blah, blah. And then it's another no, and then I just, I teach, but with, like, anger in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and make it funny. Yeah, make it funny, and then just, yeah, that's... But, no. it, and it's, it's like, that lady would never consider me again. I don't care. Right. But... She won't do this to someone else in the future. Right. It's not like, I don't think you were going to get that much out of like, yeah, just rolling over for her. So, right. Yeah. But you did a good thing in the future. And I think she'll realize, and, and hopefully also the next person who she asks will be like, so what are you going to pay me? Mm-hmm. And because if they don't, unfortunately, she won't learn her lesson at all and she'll just get something for free, which is why it's like I try to tell comics. That's it's part of why... You know, I don't want people to do things for free if they're at the level where they shouldn't be doing them for free because mm-hmm. it devalues what the rest of us do. Yeah. And so then you don't want people who aren't ready to be doing, like, I don't know, like I want there to be good shows. And when yeah. people put people, when people, when you book people who aren't good, you continue to establish a pattern for your audience that it's not a good show. Like, I just, it seems like hosts sometimes just don't get that or don't care. Well, and also people are often more concerned about their relationships and yeah. it is really hard for humans to communicate and then comics are on like a whole other level right. of just... Asperger's and narcissism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not even that because I don't think it's... Uh, I, I, I struggle with using Asperger's as an insult because I Oh, think, I don't mean it that way. Oh, no, 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 I know. I know that you don't, mm-hmm. but a lot of comics use that as kind of an insulting aside. Like, mm-hmm. oh, comics are so autistic, and it's like, no, actually, because people on the spectrum can learn really, you know, over time, like, social skills and systems <laughs> and, you know, like... You're saying we're hopeless. How to treat people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and they aren't, like, inherently selfish. <laughs> um but I know what you mean. It's a, it's an awkwardness. And mm-hmm. also, plenty of comics are on the spectrum, yeah. for sure. Um, but it's more just, yeah, it's poor communication skills. And so I think a lot of hosts don't want to say, don't want to do that hard work of, like, I don't think you're ready. Or, you know, get back to me in a year. Yeah. Or you're not a good fit for our crowd. Because that's always a thing, too. For you sure. know, Sometimes, like, I lived in Portland for three years. I think the Austin scene has similar vibes where it's like certain shows are, you know, have become a safe space. And then to which also I don't think is a bad thing because I'm not a fucking (laughs) Nick DiPaolo or whatever. Um, uh, And then those hosts still have friends that exist outside of that style or outside of a specific community. And they have to be like, Oh, I think you're really funny, but you're not fit for my audience. And that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the best possible turn down. Cause then it's not personal, you know, it's not like you suck. It's like, Oh, I'm not a fit for the room. You see that becoming like a pretty (laughs) like painful euphemism though. when it's just clearly like, such a middle of the road room that everyone does and they're like that's true yeah <laughs> like in Austin what would that be like you're not a good fit for buzzkill or something you know what I mean like you're not a good fit for fallout like something everyone does you know what I'm talking about oh yeah, she's probably too high I, 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 
She's too high. She's not even listening she's to us right now. It's fine. I'm just boring everybody. No, this has been really great. I've decided, you know, that this is the direction I'm taking my, what, did you want to say something? Oh, we were just trying to say, like, if a, if a host wanted to, like, pretend, you know, like, to, to soften the blow by being like, you're not a fit, right fit for my crowd, you know, like, we're... Th- oh, dude, yeah, that buzz mill would be that for buzz sure. Buzzmill, right? Yeah. Buzz it's like everybody fucking thrives at that show. So, yeah, there are hosts yeah. that say that as an easy <laughs> out to not book the person. Yeah. But honestly, that's better communication than just never responding because comedy is so small like you have to see these people everywhere right i mean like yeah you just have to just be able to just be a human to people be brave and be like i am not booking me weird yeah yeah just don't be so weird just be a human just one moment of empathy and you can figure out how to respond to things yeah it's all so so sensitive um and then so that came up in the conversation about paying podcast guests um a lot of this was public but then i end up having just like a private um conversation with paul of tompkins about and he was just like it was honestly really disappointing <laughs> what is it? um because the whole thing started that scott ackerman and paul of tompkins were just like we need systems and we need standards for paying podcast guests but we don't want to do it yet and it was like well just do it you you're in charge of your own show you know yeah this is one of the corners of the industry that we mostly still control and mm-hmm. even that is going away because now podcasts have representation mm-hmm. and um agents and podcasts have yeah, that's so weird net where these networks and stuff have all this infrastructure, networks right? yeah and the networks have been great you know and i'm not opposed to getting on a network um yeah well that's <laughs> but that's, it is a thing where it's changing from what it wants yeah but even as far as the aside from like if you have sponsors and stuff from for the most part the content is yours and the booking is mostly yours you know yeah and it's disappointing to see these guys sort of justifying doing exactly what we all hate when we're early on in the industry which is just basically asking for free labor you know Mm -hmm. and and paul was like well, anyone, the beauty of this is that anyone can start a podcast. Unfortunately, that means that we also don't have standards. And I'm like, well, Paul, it's been the same with stand-up shows forever. Anyone can find a bar or a coffee shop and have a show if they want and like make it good if they're good at it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, they should not pay people if they're selling tickets and making money like it's always been kind of the same and by the way standards exist in clubs the standard of paying a feature five hundred dollars has been the same for 30 years so are we comfortable with that like no and i was like if you want to make a change just make a change but if you don't then just say openly i don't want to pay people he's making he's not paying comics on podcasts that are making money ones that are, that do have sponsors or ads or yeah whatever. absolutely yeah. that's what they were torn about and well, it's just like I, don't you know, be like, torn just give people cash to me it's like as soon as you start making money you pay people like yeah you know, you, we all let you get away with it when you're not making money but once you're making money you have to and and even i would say sure take a window where recoup some of your losses exactly yeah okay but there's a comes a point where it's like what what kind of dick? Yeah. How do people sleep at night? Really, I don't. I don't know. And there's, um, it's like, <laughs> the people are making so much money off of their patreons, 
undisclosed amounts of money oh, yeah, from the their Patreon network, course. undisclosed amounts of money from their sponsors. And I, and there is a sort of, it is all very nebulous. And I agree with Paul's point there. There well, are no standards. Be, but why wouldn't we just have, um, uh, it's so that you had to show how much you got from your Patreon. Because wouldn't that just help keep you, everyone well, more Patreon, honest? Well, Patreon, it is... It is transparent. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was an option. Yeah. No, but on networks and sponsors and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. then it's a little bit more known. Okay. And and by the way, like, you know, we're not talking about Mark Maron, you know, because they kept making this cute, 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 cute joke at Obama $40. And it's like... we're not talking about Obama. We're talking yeah. struggling comedians you like you guys used to be. Yeah. yeah. You know when it's a comedian who could use the $40. Or you're not sure and you just offer it anyway. And, and it's so true. Just cover their costs. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I cover your costs? Even just a gesture or have a really nice gift basket yeah, that really an, makes up for it or something if you yeah. want it to not be such a like monetary. Yeah. But there's also a current like scourge of people who start to make money and don't even pay their co-hosts or their regular guests. And that is even crazier to me. So, and speaking of Patreon, this, the podcast come town yeah <laughs> which i don't listen to but i've tried once my boyfriend does because he's um a white man sure. um, i can't listen to any podcast with like four plus people though yeah it yeah, doesn't matter what it is i don't really listen to too many comedians podcasts across the board but but i like those guys in person and when yeah. i do stand up with them i really like them i love stavros um and the, so their Patreon, if you can go look at it, it's public. They they're making like thirty five grand a month. Okay, which is insane. Yeah, um, and they that openly the talk about the cut that they all have on the show. Uh-huh. Um, so everybody that works on the show gets a good chunk of that money, and yeah. that's like their livelihood right now. Yeah, and I think that's the way that it should be. Yeah, it's not obviously it's not equal because Nick, who I guess started the podcast, makes more than the other two guys, but. They don't fucking care, right. you know. Like they're still, they still have a, are making a living from it, and I don't know why. Yeah, I just the it's very disheartening to hear these guys be like, "We need standards and we need a scale." When you're talking about like, like you have free reign right now to yeah. just be generous, and you don't have to be overly generous, and, and set a can, precedent of generosity. Exactly, set the standard yourself. I don't understand. Yeah, because when mean, we don't have them, make them. What? I know that's exactly what I said because when have we had standards and pay scales in comedy that were fair? Yeah, they never are, and we bemoan them on a regular basis. So to be like, so you're saying you need a bureaucracy to come in, like you need a comedy government to come help you decide how much to pay your guests? Just set yeah. an example, right? Yeah, and that's and then Dave Anthony was talking about that, and he has a super successful podcast, The Dollop, and I mean, I can't imagine how much money they make off of it. But when they have guests, they pay them, and he's like, it's really easy, you know? Yeah. When I've done the Squad Brothers podcast, they just handed me money, and I was like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. And even if I didn't need it, of course, you know, of course I would take it. Yeah. <laughs> or or be like keep you know give it to and give this to another guest or whatever but it's just it makes you feel like you did work because you did yeah you came and offered your talent and um yeah i don't know it's just it's so depressing like the things that we're not able to figure out just based on like decency and professionalism (laughs) yeah that is pretty disappointing um 
That is pretty disappointing. Well, do the right thing, people. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, sincerely. So, uh, you, before we were kind of talking about what you would like your career to be, mm-hmm. but how, like, so we've talked about a number of the steps that you've done and kind of how it's a little bit more amorphous now because you need other people to just open some gates to mm-hmm. you basically but are you but you said you like maybe i can work on a pilot and yeah script. so is that kind of what is on your plate right now yeah so i'm always writing and i and i wrote um this web series and that actually is being shopped by someone um which is exciting but also might go nowhere yeah when those things come up in la i'm just like oh hope for the best but i'm not totally. you know cashing this check yet or whatever um but it was a great exercise i thought it was really funny you know i totally stand by it everybody involved thought it was really funny and it's um yeah so right now i'm just kind of doing that stuff and then doing as much as i can to book myself which which for it's interesting for where i am it's like around six seven eight years you know if you work and you're funny and um and you've been out there, you kind of hit this point where it's like, it's can be harder to get club work because you're in this like, am I a headliner or am I a feature situation? And also it's just harder to get feature weeks right now across the board because so many people just bring someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of like that that system is becoming the norm um, because you can, you know, really take someone under your wing and yeah. be like, I like this guy. He's really funny. And I want to say a guy because it's always a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's very few women I know who have a headliner that just like bring them out on every date. I think like Kelsey Cook is a good example of that. She went out with Norton for a long time and um, he really helped her. But frequently they mostly help each other. OK, yeah. we all know that. And we cannot as easily help each other because if you're a lady headliner you cannot be like i'm bringing another lady to open because 40 percent of the clubs will i mean be like, some of them um, do no. that but that's like maria bamford and margaret cho yeah right once you're at that level um yeah. and then even then they i think margaret will do people for longer i feel like but maria likes to get a different woman in every you know like instead of if jackie's not available okay and so, that's it but yeah then, yeah but, but jackie yeah i guess i mean I don't jackie's know jackie her needs, go-to needs the help um but no, everybody she needs can still, to. I mean, I was going to yeah. say, she can still use... But that's a, I was just thinking about the moral like dilemma of, do I help one person at this yeah. point in their career? Do I help one person at this point? Do right. I help a bunch of different, you know... And you can do a lot of responsibility and, for a successful woman. Yeah, and also, at some point, you're just deciding who is the easiest to travel with because being on the road is so hard. Right. And, you know, eventually, if you have a friend, you want to go. Which I also think is why a lot of people kind of end up... You know, bringing people who are like them, yeah, because it's like you gotta hang. So. Yeah, I got my friend out you here. Can't be just doing the Lord's work every. Yeah, day. yeah. So I'm in this spot that's kind of exciting. I mean, it's like, oh, it's a little bit harder to get club work, but the indie work is much easier to get, right? Yeah. So I could go on Facebook mm-hmm. and send thirty messages in the next five days mm-hmm. and book a tour of yeah. shows that are run by comics yep. that make good money and I sell shit and just go and that's kind of what a lot of people like you know yeah. six, seven, eight years in end up doing because you get to do a lot of time. Do you enjoy those shows more? 
Typically I do, yeah. I mean, sometimes there's a comfort in a club week of just like, here's where I'm sleeping yeah. and it's paid for and this is how much I'm making and here's where the merch goes Yeah, because those six or whatever shows are going to be um, pretty similar and that's that can be very comforting. Gotcha. Because the indie show tour can it's also be a, a crapshoot. Yeah. yeah. Maybe some nights no one comes. Right. And then you're like, oh, I just lost money. Right. But for the most part, I think we all have a really good network and communication around which shows are good in each city. And, you know, in the women's groups particularly, we're good at sharing that information in an organized way. Like, here's a spreadsheet, you know, of every show in Tennessee and every show in Georgia. Oh, I got a lot of spreadsheets. Uh, Add (laughs) me to that spreadsheet women's group. Oh, yeah, I will. I mean, I can just send them to you, too. But there's comics in L.A., like... Brandy Posey and Sharon Houston, who are really good at kind of just organizing this information and sharing it. And I think it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I particularly think it's great in that group because it's like, what if all these shows were just inundated with women oh, <laughs> like, yeah. asking to get booked, you know? Yeah. Eventually, maybe it'll be a 50-50 ratio or whatever. Um or not 50-50 because that subscribes to the binary and I don't do that. Um, yeah, 30-30-30. Yeah, or whatever. 20-20-20-20-20. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of fun. It's just way more work for sure. But, you know, you get to keep all the money. Like, yeah. I just went out on a small tour with my boyfriend's band and I was like... I am ah. so happy I don't have to travel with other people. They were lovely people, but it was like, this is so much more work. Yeah. Like, load in, load out, share the money, mm-hmm. deal with everyone's needs, like who's hungry when and who's too drunk to help. And it's just like, oh, oh no, it's yeah. just me. Yeah. yeah. What a gift. <laughs> yeah. Well, so life's pretty good, really. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're I think living so. a pretty cool life. I mean... That is true. I, whatever else you think about the industry and what will or won't happen, like, I mean, I don't mean to get gushy, but I mean, you have a podcast and you have this web series and you're going to keep working on that stuff and you're, you continue to gain fans and, yeah. and have a good time. Like, what? That's a pretty sweet life. You don't have a It is job? a really sweet life. Um, no. And For the right, last two years, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I've had a couple, like, sort of contract positions sure. that ended and... I do like, yeah, some marketing work on the side, but for the mar- for the most part, no, for two solid years, I have not had to like set an alarm clock. Um, hey. And that is incredible. At, you know, at 35, that's when you achieve that. Like that's pretty, <laughs> that most people don't do that. So. Yeah, that's true. It's true. No, I, I love what I'm doing right now and I love being able to tell jokes all the time. Um, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard when money is hard because you just end up focusing on that and not all the all the stuff that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that is hard. But I keep that spending low. Oh my god, but I love to spend it. I know, but it's you know, <laughs> anyway. Um I think we got to get out of here pretty soon, but can I ask um one more question? What advice if you could go back to yourself in your first first 2 years of comedy mm-hmm. and give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say? Oh, just one piece. <laughs> well, if you want to rattle two or three off, you can. So the first year is really interesting because it's very easy to get kind of consumed by the community of it and the social parts of it and focus less on the talent part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just encourage 
myself in the past <laughs> and new comics to let more of that stuff ride. You know, don't get involved in gossip. Don't get involved in scene drama. Um, if someone comes up to you, and this is like such like freshman year advice. No, like, but it's important. <laughs> if someone comes up to you and says, this person is horrible, um, try and understand the context. This does not apply to sexual predators, okay? <laughs> but um, I think women have a tendency to tear each other down, especially in the first couple of years. There's all this competition, and mm. some of us are getting praise, and some of us are not, and it's like, oh, she's a bitch. And just, you know, keep context in mind. Um, like, this is basically the way that Harvey Weinstein destroyed Mira Sorvino's career is he told everyone in the industry that she was difficult to work with, which was not true. She just mm -hmm. wouldn't fuck him. Um, and I think that happens on smaller levels all the time, you yeah. know? So if you hear rumors about yourself, keep in mind, like, or rumors about someone else, keep in mind, they might also be out there about you and just kind of let it float off. If you focus on the performance, being funny and writing jokes... Don't get too drunk during your first sets. The first year is very nerve-wracking, and a lot of people self-medicate by getting wasted and going on stage. I did that plenty of times. Mm. And then I was so embarrassed. Like, really honor the stage time that you have. Yeah. You know, don't feel like you're entitled to any next steps. And just know that at that point, if you're working and people laugh, and, and I really mean that, like, like sometimes you're going to bomb. They're not all going to go well, but... Look at an overall percentage of times that people laugh when you're on... This seems like such basic advice. But no, but a lot of people don't think this way for whatever Yeah, reason. and they get very delusional or they just really want to be a com part of the community, which I can't begrudge them that. Yeah. But don't be entitled to your next steps if you're not getting laughs because that is literally the whole job, you know? Yeah, it is strange. There are some people who really don't seem to get that, that there might be a like, well, I've paid my dues or I've been here long enough. It's like, no, it's literally you have to get the laughs. Yeah. Yeah, no one's this laughing. Isn't, Record all of your sets. This is an American public school or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know. Record all your sets and look for growth and look for growth on each joke. Look for, yeah. you know, four recordings in a row where on the first one, maybe it was a light chuckle. And by the 20th time you've told that joke, maybe people are clapping. You yeah. know, like this is very kind of basic stuff. Right. Um, and it, I mean, looking at things in that kind of granular level too, it keeps you from putting everything on yourself. Um, and I guess that would be my final advice is like, it's not your fault. I mean, unless you're a sexual predator, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's so many caveats now. <laughs> Just have to let everybody know. Yeah. I don't want this to come off as like, if anybody says a guy's a rapist, give him a shot. <laughs> um, uh, You've made it clear. But it's really easy to just wrap everything up in your own identity and be like, well, people don't book me because I look like this mm -hmm. or because this is my personality. Um, if you really look at how the jokes are performing, because that is the whole job, it takes a little bit of pressure off of your personhood the that's first a good two point. years. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't take it personally. Make Write better jokes. Yeah. I mean, if you're being a dickhead, then you're being a dickhead, and maybe that's not why right, people... Also, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why people aren't booking you. But if you're a nice person, and you get laughs, and you know that you're getting laughs because you've been recording them, and you can listen to them, and your jokes are progressing, um, you know, just keep doing that. And, like... Give yourself a little break. You're doing fine. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> All right, this was lovely. Thank you.
International. 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 International.